Welcome to Open Door Policy. Each week, Danielle Center and I, Father Steve Polis, sit down with a different guest who is living out Unleash the Gospel in the Archdiocese of Detroit. And we are so blessed to be with the one, the only, the famous or infamous Father Patrick Gagne. How are you doing, Father Patrick? I'm doing great until you just call me infamous. I was gonna give you I was gonna give you twenty bucks for the compliment, but it just went down to ten, Father Steve. How are you? Hey man, I'm doing great. Danielle Center, what's what's good? You know what? It's interesting being in this quarantine and just thanks be to God, we're able to stay so connected with social media and phone calls. I mean I could be writing you a letter right now, Father Steve. (laughs) Dearest Father Steven. (laughs) How is the seminary? It has been a fortnight. Yeah, how how are you? uh, Quarantine grace for me. You know, I was uh, in two things. I was outside taking a walk around Belle Isle, and then I had to go shopping. And both times, people were so darn friendly. It was so cool to see... People just kind of like, you know, reaching out and being kind to each other. Father Patrick, do you have any quarantine graces? It, it wasn't as cool as yours, uh, but um, <laughs> they sell the bar. No, ah, one of my struggles is uh, with like administration, like uh, trying to keep mm. it all together and, and whatnot. And uh, in a holy hour yesterday morning, I just really, you know, felt the Lord putting on my heart that. Um, that you can come out of this quarantine uh, in a different place, organizationally and administratively, and it'll help you to function better. Good those who love them, right? So, Amen. Um, so that's been a grace is that I, I'm, I'm keeping my nose to the grindstone and trying to catch up on some things and get some things in place so that God willing is a administrator that's technical for baby pastor. Uh, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be better, better functionally uh, coming out of it. How about you, Danielle? Quarantine grace. You know what? I feel like God had, this is a little bit, this is a little bit silly, but I felt God invited me to a deeper season of rest this wow. uh, Lent. And, uh, and here like the entire world is canceled and God was like, there we are. So wow. that's been, that's been really interesting is just yeah. like really getting into a restfulness again. Hey, hey, I heard during that restful quarantine, you wrote a new set of rapid fire questions. I is did. Right, are you Danielle? guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready, Father? So, so how, how are we doing this, Danielle? Uh, I'll ask Father Patrick that at certain points you're going to get questions too. Okay. All right. Bring it. Okay. Father Patrick, what was your first job? I was a paper boy. Hey, what? It's okay. Imagine it's Easter Sunday. You get your Easter basket. What Easter candy is in there? And you're like, yep, this is this is Jesus loving me. Rollos. Mmm, rich chocolate candy, creamy caramel. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, say you went to a deli and it like wasn't Lent. You can get whatever you want. What's your favorite deli sandwich? Oh, turkey with sauerkraut on it. That Thousand Island, that whole like, I don't know what they call that, but it's really good. It's like, I think it's called a turkey Reuben. Sandwich artiste. Do you, (laughs) would you be able to make that thing? Oh, for sure. No problem. I can make a turkey. Okay. Father Patrick, what was you, what is your most recent earworm? What song is stuck in your head? Oh golly, that's a tough one. Uh, I would, I would say, uh, "Oh how he loves us," David Crowder. Oh. And 
What, in your opinion, is one of the most underrated Old Testament characters? Judas Maccabees. Judah Maccabee was a Jewish priest. He led the Maccabean revolt against the Seleucid Empire. With whom would you like to be quarantined? My mom. Father Steve, what about you? Uh, I'm at Sacred Heart Seminary quarantined with seven other priests. It's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> okay, Father Patrick, besides um, your parents, who is who is one of your most important faith formators? Oh, uh, a, a gentleman named Mike. He was a pastor of a very small non-denominational Christian community in Lansing. Okay, and then if it's karaoke night, what's the song you go with? Um, oh, a reckless love. Okay, and what is the most beautiful church you've ever been to? I, th I like, personally, my favorite is Old St. Mary's in Greektown. Oh, nice. And what is one of your favorite lines from your favorite hymn? Oh, what a wondrous way that we are loved by the Father. Perfect. Great work. That's I struggled. No, you did a great job. That was great. That was yeah. great. Guess what? We yeah. have the same first job. That's awesome. I yeah. figured you did too. Yeah, it was a paper girl. Oh my gosh. It'd be awesome. I, I want to see footage when I'm in heaven of you being a paper girl as a child. I bet it was awesome. <laughs> like, I've had people like just loved when you brought the paper with the big smile. Like, hey, like, hey guys. Yeah. Paper mister. So Rolos? Yeah. Rolos? Yeah. Is, that a, is that an Easter candy? I didn't Chocolate. know that. That's an everyday candy. Chocolate and caramel. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody's asked you guys, but you got to do it. What's What would be in your Easter basket? Candy. Danielle? I I love chocolate-covered caramel. So have you tried it with dark chocolate and sea salt from Aldi? No. <laughs> Danielle did the fingers around her eyes like a raccoon. What What is that? No, that was like tears falling Those are tears coming eyes. out. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. For me, it's a classic from being a kid, those little nests. With like the robins, the eggs in them, little oh. jelly bean eggs, a little coconut nest. Those yeah. were that is Easter for me. Oh, I love it! I love it. That's just a. If we could just take a moment, I, if my interview is the shortest ever, that's okay. But uh, to describe Danielle Center chewing on dark chocolate, <laughs> sea salt caramels, and like having a bunch of them in her mouth and just crying tears of joy. Isn't that a great image? Like just tears of joy with a mouthful of like. Argh. That's an image. Tell me a little bit more about Mike. How did you meet him? What impact did he have on your life? At an important time in my life, I was waiting tables at Red Lobster at 25, 26 years old. I was just in a really dark place. And um, in terms of like my own life and, and just dealing with addiction to alcohol. And I was an agnostic at the time. No, no real faith in God. And I, I was, you know, working at this restaurant and there was this guy, he just had this peace and this joy and we struck up a friendship and he would talk about Jesus. And it was a beautiful form of evangelization. And when I, when I started to kind of have some breakthrough um, in my life with, with faith, he was right there to, to process with and to go. And he quickly, like, you know, as we started to talk more about faith, he quickly invited me to a prayer group. And it was being at that prayer group every week. They would they would read scripture. He'd give a message, and they would pray, and they would sing to the Lord. And I noticed that it was like Saint Ignatius of Loyola when he his discernment of spirits when he said, you know, he started to notice that certain things left him feeling better, and certain things the pleasures faded away. I realized after I left those prayer meetings, um, 
with, with Mike and a small group of disciples that I just felt better and it lasted longer than the other things I was doing to try to mm -hmm. feel good. So um, Mike journeyed, I journeyed with Mike and about six disciples that were really faithful to this group for about a good solid year. And it was a big part of my transformation. So that, that's a little bit about Mike, just to, and I, I, I got to give him a call. I got to track him down, but it's been a long time now, but that's a little more about Mike. Amen. Well, thank you, Father Patrick. Let's talk about um, your story. So, Father Patrick, I wanted to, um, when, when Danielle asked you about your favorite um, karaoke song, I thought I would hear something from the jive. That's oh, what I was anticipating gosh. hearing. But uh, tell us a little bit how, about how God worked in your life. Um, you know, like how you became a disciple of Jesus and a priest. Yes. Um, Steve, that Father Steve, uh, only three other people know the jive. So oh, now, the, now all eight listeners to yeah. will know the jive. My <laughs> mom. Yeah. Ron yeah. says we Ron says we're up we to 10. 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Father Patrick. Sorry. Well, um, like like you, Father Steve, I had a big family. Um one of one of eight children, one stillborn brother Robert that we always count. Uh, raised on the east side of Detroit, and I was raised with with Catholic parents. My mom was was pretty faithful, and, and my dad, you know, he 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 loved the Lord, um, but wasn't like, from what I remember, every Sunday church goer by any means. And so I actually went to Catholic school as a child up till about fourth grade, up till fourth grade, and then we moved over to uh, out of Detroit into Harper Woods, into the public school system, and I would go occasionally down the street. Uh, in fifth and sixth grade. I only lived about three and a half blocks from Queen of Peace, but we joined St. Jude over on the east side of Detroit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would go to Queen of Peace and what's really neat is I do remember when I'd go once in a while, um, when I, I would go, there was this tall priest there, uh, a young guy, and I really never really paid attention. But when he was there, I'd pay attention a little bit and his name uh, was Father Jim Bilo. And he ended up playing a big role in my life as vocation director. So we, uh, my family, my parents went through some stuff where there was a divorce and my dad became unwell and was away from the scene for a while. My mom was working two jobs, working really hard. And uh, we would, you know, I don't know what happened to our family rhythm on Sunday, um, but I know that, you know, I wouldn't go to church anymore. I'd go with my brothers and we'd go pick up a church paper. There was a few years, a season, I don't know if it was a few years, but we're, we were in the habit, we just get the church paper to show that we went, grace the building, and then we go to the park um, because mom was, you know, working. At, at least she was working at a hotel on the weekends. So um, basically, I just began to drift and uh, I was confirmed, but it didn't, I remember it didn't mean anything to me. Um, and then I, I yeah, and uh, went through high school, kind of, you know, I was open to the idea of God and then went to college and it just drifted, drifted away. Um, in college is where I discovered, you know, uh, relativism um, that really I lived by, by the end of my first year of college, I just determined that, okay, the way this works is you don't hurt people and anything else is fair game and uh, basically make your values. And I just, yeah, I was really going down the wrong road. And over the years in college, I just went deeper into alcoholism and messing around with other junk, and uh, I the, I love to play folk music, so I was playing in 
couple of little folk bands there. And uh, after I graduated from college, I went to, to Nashville, Tennessee, and um, just, I loved the music and that was fun. Um, and I played in a band that three people have heard of called The Jive. And, uh, ah, the yeah. Jive! It was great. <laughs> well, that part, but everything else was miserable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really just, yeah, I, I just got into a deep, dark hole. And it was down there at the age of 25 that I first began to have um, just, I, you know, no relationship with God. And I used to just think about ending my life. And so uh, I entered, I came back to Michigan and then I, after Michigan, had a, a DUI, which was a blessing, um, and went to went to jail for just you know less than a day, but it was it was a sobering experience, and and then entered into by court mandate a bunch of uh, AA. I was one of the guys that went to AA that had to get um you had to get your sheet signed and stuff and bring it to your probation officer and all that, and so I was pretty like for a while going to these meetings and just you know. In AA, one of the principles is um, we come to we come to see that our life was was unmanageable, and then mm-hmm. we turn our life over to a higher power as best as we understand that higher power. And so, uh, it, you know, I consider God a little bit, and uh, I just you know, I went through the process, and I found that the twelve steps were like there was some helpful stuff there, but I still was really fighting addiction and. Um, wrestling with like with people who deal with addiction um when you're in addiction like you just don't think clearly it's unfortunate like like you know that's why they refer to alcoholism as a disease or any other particular addiction and I actually used to wrestle with like the whole question like do I actually have a problem and so like I was like no I can get this figured out I can get my stuff together and yada yada and I just couldn't and um then there came the time I was you know 26 years old just shy of the 27th birthday and I was I was really in a very dark place, actively contemplating ending my life. And uh, and I just happened to look across the couch I was sitting on and over to the green love sofa in my apartment in Lansing at that time in the midst of thinking suicidal thoughts. And I just said, God, if you're real, where are you? And I said it out loud and I was looking at the green love sofa. And a couple nights later, um, I, ha- I had a dream. I was sleeping on this. I, I was sleeping on the sofa across from the green love sofa. And um this is uh, hands down the most pivotal life-changing experience I've ever had. Uh, I was in my dream sitting in that green love sofa that I was looking at when I said, God, if you're real, where are you? was Jesus. Mm. And he didn't say anything, but he just was looking at me and I can still see his face in my mind's eye. There was something I could feel looking into his eyes. I just couldn't explain what it was, but um, there was just something undeniably uh, fascinating and attractive coming from Jesus and, and his, and his gaze. I'll never forget the morning I woke up. I, I looked across the room instantly, like, is he still there? And, hmm. and it just, it was such a visceral, real amazing experience. And, um, then a couple of nights after that, uh, I was, it was early in the morning and I was coming down from being, uh, you know, I was coming off of a, drinking thing and stuff and and I, I went to knelt down by the green love sofa and I, I just said Jesus I said okay God I said okay if you're there can you help me and that's when grace entered into my life in, a, in an incredible way like I, I started to have inspiration to actually stop drinking and I decided like I'm gonna go to a counselor 
I'm going to get faithful about going to AA. I'm going to just start doing this. Like, and I got this new strength that came over me that allowed me to start to do these things. And that's when I, you know, I, I, I talked to Mike and started to get into like this, this going to the prayer group and the Bible study. And my little sister was in, she lived in East Lansing and she was still a student at Michigan state and she was going to St. John's student parish. So I started to go to church with her on the weekend and uh, it wasn't perfect, but I, I really did gain by God's grace, a, a gift of not, of having a new power to say no to temptation. And it was directly related to kneeling down in the place where I saw Jesus and saying, if you're there, can you help me? And he did. And so as time unfolded, I, my life just changed over the course of a year. I, I really figured out one thing for sure at the age of 27, that Jesus has to be the center of my life. With right. him, I don't want to die. With him, I can actually beat this alcohol and other crap. With him, there's there's hope. I feel way better going to church and these prayer gatherings than I did going to the bar and other places. And when I was able to verbalize that, that Jesus had to be the center of my life, I verbalized it to my mom. And she said, Patrick, did you ever think about being a priest? So I contacted uh, Father Jim Bilo, and he walked with me. He met with me several times, and he was able to uh, – I was I, – I, he was able to see that even though I came in with it, I had this heavy past, um, that God was clearly at work in my life. And uh, as I understand it, he advocated for me to get into the seminary. And, and uh, it was his word, I think, that, you know, this guy's changed. And uh, I really had. Oh, well, well, let's all give Father Jim Bilo yeah. major yeah. props then for up. that. Huh? Hey, Father Jim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Father Patrick, you have an awesome vocation story we'll talk in a couple of minutes about yeah. faith during quarantine but but like can, no, yeah. can you give just something how how god's working in your life these days since being a priest or being a, a baby pastor as you said it yeah yeah thank you for your patience too i go i can go on and on <laughs> well it's beautiful yeah, it's, it's great it's awesome yeah, yeah. um in my own, in my own walk, it'll be seven years as a priest in May. And, um, oh, hallelujah. Congrats. Thanks a lot. Hey. Yeah. It's such a gift. And um, the thing, you know, what's, what's going on most in my heart is, uh, is the, just this desire to continue to be present to the Lord. And uh, I fully believe in the new Pentecost that St. John the 23rd prayed for and, and that unleashed the gospel is just being flooded with. So I, I find that just being in it, trying to be present to God and remembering that everything is possible in his presence. And um, I should expect opportunities to arise that are going to take courage and require risk. And uh, if I lay my head on the pillow and I haven't tried to share the gospel with somebody or haven't prayed for the sick or tried to hear the voice of the Lord for myself or for others, and I'm, I'm living a natural Christian life, which isn't a bad thing because it's filled with virtue and goodness. But the Christian life is truly supernatural because Jesus lives in us. And we're able to really, John 14, 12, you know, you'll do the works that I do and even greater works than these. So I'd sum it up by I'm just really trying to stay in his presence and know that his presence leads to supernatural lifestyle in our midst. And that's the lives Amen. of the saints. It's so often filled with those yeah. things, you know. 
Thank you, Amen. guys. Well, How about thank you guys? You. People are thank you. Thank you. No, 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 no. We Wait do the question second. asking around here. Thank, <laughs> th thank you for your witness and your yes to Jesus. Amen. You too, brother. Hey, but Father Steve, you are doing some special stuff during this Come quarantine. Can you this talk ain't about me. We're There's a new game. Uh, it's called Danielle, Center of the Universe, <laughs> and I make the rules. People have been yes. clamoring for more Danielle, so I guess you get to do that. Um, yeah, I, you know, days of quarantine are hard for, uh, I keep yeah. using the word quarantine, it's short, shorthand for like all the different levels right. of like, hey, maybe you should stay home mm -hmm. to, hey, everyone needs to stay home to, okay, an executive order, right, right. stay home unless you're essential. So, um, but through these days, I know it's hard for people, especially not having masks and especially yeah. not being able to kind of um, engage in their faith at church. So, you know, I, I see all these churches and these priests having live stream masses, which are beautiful, wonderful, but there's a ton of them. And so I thought, what can I do? What would be helpful? So I put a little note out on Facebook, like, hey, what are you looking for during these times? And uh, um, a friend for a number of years, Marissa uh, Rosenbaum, said, hey, this is what I do with my class. Each day I have a, she's a teacher, grade school teacher. She said, uh, Monday through Friday, I have a different little theme. You should do that. So worked with her and put together a theme. So seven days a week at 7.15 p.m., I do a little Facebook Live with a different theme and have a little fun for about 20, 25 minutes. And then we make our spiritual communion, pray yeah. the memorare, and uh, call it a night. So that's What's my little been, contribution. What's like one of your favorite parts of that so far so just real quick rundown monday is make it up monday different uh, things tuesday is uh um ask me talk, to, talk to me tuesday so an ama yeah mm -hmm. wednesday is wisdom wednesday so it's a teaching of the church thursday is tell me thursday what are you doing to to bring light in the midst of these days uh friday is um my favorite things, which makes me feel like Oprah or Martha Stewart. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it's, you know, okay. trying to pick like, so I've talked about my favorite saints and things like that. Oh. Saturday is a, a prayer. So spiritual, spiritual Saturdays, we do a different prayer. And then Sunday is sacred Sundays. I do a little homily uh, for the Sunday gospels. That's so, awesome. Let, let's take a, a break real quick. And then we'll, we'll get to talk about what Father Patrick's doing during quarantine. Easter is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite seasons, hands down, right? Mm -hmm. Like Holy Thursday, like literally I was like, I think I'm going to take the day off of work so I can go to chrism mass. Like, like I, months in advance, I'm planning Easter vigils and now we're not going to be, well, y'all are going to be able to do stuff, right? But it's going to be really different. So questions, what is it like for you guys as priests to be doing this right now? What is it? How does this quarantine affect like your ministry and your lives, um, just like as priests and then just personally in your hearts as well. How are you preparing for Easter? For myself, it's kind of like getting in the field tent, um, like you're on the, you know, on the battlefield for lack of a better expression, because there's parishioners and things like that, at, you know, the neighborhood as well. And so getting in the field tent um, with a group of leaders, and I can't, I think the leadership team is one of the most wonderful ideas about parish structure in the archdiocese. Get some key leaders to help you. And we've, we've just been planning and executing pastoral care and what can we do to help people in need in our neighborhood and compiling a 
roster of about 18 volunteers reaching out to about 160 of our older folks, just checking on them and um, strategizing how do we how do we still care for people? And that involves a digital component now that, you know, we, we bulk email seems to be the way that we're able to reach a lot of people in addition to phone calls and our website, we're starting to make sure we're putting our updates up there. And um, I've just been inspired in my own heart. I've been running a podcast for a few years, free mustard season. I've been inspired to start a free mustard seeds, YouTube channel to just start doing some videos and uh, send them. Father Patrick, tell us about the name free mustard seeds. Free mustard seeds is about, uh, it just, it, it was called that because of, the gospel passages where Jesus says faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain and the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed starts the littlest, but it grows into the biggest. And the idea of putting out a homily or a talk or something mm. over the internet is you're throwing little mustard seeds that can potentially catch and bloom mm. into something beautiful in hearts. Amen. So, That's cool. share so, so yeah, as you? a pastor, is it, it's kind of a weird time. Mm. What you said, you know, connecting via email, I know you're live streaming your mass as mm-hmm. well, right? Like, uh, how are you? Uh, how are you? How are you helping your people walk through this time? Yeah, the the bulk emails were like you're crafting a personal letter, and those are getting sent mm. to people and posted on the internet. Writing letters to people—it's like writing a letter to your parish, and uh, that, and then the homilies, and uh, and I'm just—we got our people calling people, and I'm randomly calling people too, <laughs> just dropping it on people. So mm-hmm. those are the main methods. And I'm hoping to get more like little videos out to people who want to just kind of get a little face-to-face time, hopefully. Quarantine, not quarantine, but in. Yeah, light quarantine, we'll call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so I shared a little bit about trying to do stuff on Facebook and on mm-hmm. um, in digital ways. But, you know, nothing replaces the human interaction. And so mm-hmm. even though the four of us, and we got Ron making sure we sound great here with us, Ron Pangborn, but even though the four of us can't be in the same room, there is something beautiful about being able to see each other and to hear each yeah. other's voices. And so I think it's really important to have those ways to connect with people. Danielle, I see you like offering to pick up groceries for people and like, doing all that wonderful stuff that makes you an awesome human being. Tell me about the stuff you're doing. You know, one thing, it's not like anyone is really practiced in this. So no one really knows what they're doing. Like maybe like people in like their late eighties have memories of like polio quarantines, right? Which is to say there's a lot of people who don't know what they're doing. And like two things that I've been keeping in mind, one from my therapist who would say change is loss is grief. So change is loss, is grief. So there's a lot of change, there's a lot of loss, and therefore there's a lot of grief, and there's just a lot of people who don't know how to process that. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing that like a lot. So just like being like gentle, even though I'm trying to be gentle with myself because like it's different for me. That's one thing. The second thing is, oh, so like being aware of the stages of grief, right? Like denial, anger, bargaining, and then an acceptance. So and just seeing like that happen on social media. Um, but then also I went to social distance confession with my friend, Father Steve, uh, no, dear Father, <laughs> Father Paul Snyder. And um, he said, grace is in reality. And he was like, you know what? It's easy for us to be like, well, if only things were this way and if only things were this way, he's like, but that's not the way things are right now. And God's grace is present to us mm-hmm. now. So let's just like be aware of the grace that we do have right now. And I thought that was really cool. 
even though like my heart really breaks for like all these people whose weddings can't happen anymore, but there's still somehow a grace in this reality. So, you know, one of the, um, one of the ways the Archbishop has, has pointed us to be about unleash the gospel during this time is writing these 10 guideposts yeah. uh, that he wrote about Christians in the time of the Corona pandemic. Yeah. And Danielle, that reminds me of like the first guidepost, which is no time is without its grace. Right. You know, that like we are not in some kind of unredeemed time, like, God, Jesus's blood redeemed everything except the Corona pandemic, right? Like, God is no. like, Wait, what's going on right now? <laughs> right. Like, even this is, you know, I have all these phrases from the archbishop stuck in my head, but like, even Go this is caught up in the Paschal mystery. Amen. So it's so important for us to remember that, like, no matter how stressful this may be, no matter how, like, uncomfortable or awkward we may feel, or, you know, Danielle, your phrase is, uh, what would you say, uh, Grief is loss is grief. What would what, oh, your therapist change say? is loss is mm. grief. So whatever change and loss and grief we feel is still a time of grace and it's still kind of redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And as Christians, as those who have been washed clean by his blood, we get to claim victory in this time as well. Amen. Thanks be to God. Hey, Father Patrick, at it. this time, uh, we usually ask our guests to to close with a word for our listeners, if you could just, from your heart to our listeners' heart, tell them anything, what would you say? We, we ask our famous guests and our yeah. infamous guests. Yeah. Yeah. Father Patrick. Praise so. God. Yeah, I just, I just get this sense of like, that God wants his beloved children to know that I'm with you, I'm with you. And um, as playful as it sounds, as corny as it might sound, I just have this image of a hot air balloon. And every time you turn your heart to the Lord, um, the, the Lord just lifts you up. He lifts you above the fray. Not that we're indifferent to the sufferings. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But the Father loves to keep lifting his children up above the fray and holding them close to his heart and gazing on them and says, you are lovely. You are mine. Don't worry. Amen. Thank you, Father Patrick. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Father Patrick. This was awesome. I enjoyed it a lot. God bless you guys. Thank you, everybody. What a great joy to have Father Patrick Gagno, the one and only with us here in the Open Door Policy Social Distance Studio and uh, to, to really share the joy of this time of uh, Lent, the Triduum and Easter with him and to see how he is unleashing the gospel even in the midst of quarantine. And once again, before we say goodbye, if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit. You guys are good at this. I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. 